0: thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of selling to friends. I'm here with my my co-host John Simeon and uh, John, you actually brought on a guest today. Do you want to just share a little bit about who uh, we have on the call with us today? Yeah, I did. Um, I brought
1: Nathan Lindstrom on today. He is a photographer down here in Houston. He runs his own company. So we kind of got to talk and I had lunch with him on Friday. We started kind of just discussing, you know, what, his his day-to-days like and you know how he balances you know sales as well as everything else he has to do running his own company so uh Nathan
2: yeah guys thank you so much for having me on the show I'm really looking forward to this awesome yeah so I think really what
1: we're gonna try to do right now is just let you go through you know um your kind of journey and and tell us a little bit about how you how you got going
0: and let's sure. make sure yeah yeah let's let's also um definitely make that a dialogue i know john and i are going to have a lot of questions for you but <laughs> uh we'll definitely probably be jumping in in the middle of this to to, to dive a of little course. deeper yeah absolutely um, please
2: do i know i leave a lot of stuff out a lot of the time so um yeah so anyway um like they said my name is nathan lindstrom i'm a commercial photographer uh, here in Houston. And I've run my own studio. Uh, we focus primarily on advertising and um, a lot of like direct-to-corporate client marketing material uh, type photography. Um, we've done everything from national ad campaigns and packaging for product launches and all to website redesigns and um, still do you know, headshots and just things that businesses need to kind of keep going day-to-day basis. And Nathan, with stuff like that, I, it sounds
1: like, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity out there, but what do you do as far as having somebody be a, a reoccurring customer? I mean, because I'm assuming there's a good amount of people doing some similar stuff, right?
2: Uh, absolutely. There's a lot of people that Want to be photographers? It's become a market where you know you can go out and buy a camera and spend fifty bucks on a website, and you've got your right. shingle out and and all. But that doesn't doesn't mean that you're a, a good artist and B have any idea what you're doing as a business owner. Um, and it's taken me a good fifteen years to get to the point that I'm at um, on both of those accounts and figuring. Figuring out, you know, not only my craft, but how to present it and be able to run a business that is valuable to my customers um, and is, is a problem-solving tool um, because every business needs photography on some level. I mean, even even if it is, you know, just employee portraits to give a sense, especially in times of COVID, of... You know, who in the world am I talking to? Like everything's gone virtual. And, uh, you know, it it used to almost be a joke of mine, but really anymore it's, you know, it's the absolute truth. Like before it was your handshake, it was your, you know, eye contact, how you presented yourself at that first meeting, that was your first impression, Mm -hmm. Um, how you dressed, you know, et cetera. Like all of that goes into that first impression and everyone believes it hey, our first impression is the most important thing that you can get into you know, making and developing a relationship. It all happens online now. I mean, even before right. COVID, it was, you know, if anyone contacted me for new business, either you know as a customer or as a vendor, I'd be looking them up on LinkedIn and going, okay, who is this person? What, are they, what do they do? Yeah. What do they do? Where do they come from? Like, am I talking to you know, a secretary who got, you know, just tasked with, oh, hey, we need photos, go, you know, call some people, or some am I talking time. to, you know, a marketing director, or creative director, who's, you know, done this day in and day out, and knows what the heck they're talking about. Um, so, so how like, did
0: you, yeah, I just a quick question on this. So um, yeah. I know you mentioned that Kind of, there's a lot of different people, obviously, in this space, and experience is really one of the clear things that defines those who are a better fit for more of the commercial space. What What was your journey? I guess you said you've been doing this for about 16 years. What did your journey look like um, to getting to that sort of commercial market focus? Sure.
2: So I started off in college. I wanted to be a photojournalist and shoot for newspapers and magazines. And, um, I started off by interning and then freelancing at the Houston Chronicle. Um, and from, you know, at that point in my life, my, you know, my target market was at newspaper magazine editors, which, you know, there's what maybe two, 3000 publications in the U S you know, that are, possibly going to hire photographers and, you know, really with newspapers, it's more of, there was the Houston Chronicle and there were, you know, three editors on staff. Those were, those were the people I needed to market to and to sell to. Um, you know, and it was, it was a really easy proposition. Um, you know, and the the competition for people that were really pursuing it to the level that I was, was pretty small too. Um, So I did that for about five years and it was a great experience. Um, They made me a photo editor for, for a little while. Um, and then when, uh, when the paper shrunk uh, around 2008, like newspapers around the country shrunk and, uh, my, my job disappeared along with all of that. And, um, So I started. I actually started uh, assisting uh, other photographers to learn more about the commercial side of the business, because I I looked around and kind of this dream of going and being you know this photojournalist was waning, and it was also just a better time in life for me too to get away from that kind of lifestyle because it's a fairly nomadic, you know, kind of moving around a lot. Yeah, well, and your schedule's just you never know minute to minute what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I had figured long-term being in commercial photography was going to be a, going to be a better bet for me. Um, and so I assisted for probably about five years or so, um, worked with a few photographers in Houston, um, who were just really good, uh, both photographers and business people. Um, But then I also got to work with photographers from East Coast, West Coast that would come into town to do, like, big national-level shoots, um, these giant productions that were really cool to see. And, you know, we'd be working with J.J. Watt or uh, Yao Ming or, you know, whoever it was back in the day. Um, And, you know, there'd be film crews around and there'd be, you know, anywhere from 20 to 50 plus people on set doing, you know, hair and makeup and wardrobe and props and the locations guy and all this other stuff. And that's whole where I got. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were talking, you know, probably hundred thousand plus 200,000 a day budget for production.
0: Um, so when and, did you decide to go all in on this pivot from, uh, into kind of the commercial side of the house?
2: Uh, that was fairly soon. I mean, after I left the newspapers, I, you know, I went and assisted and like learned in a lot of ways. I consider that my grad school. Um, okay. and through that, I kept shooting some on my own, kept my own website up, um, but didn't really push it that much. And then, uh, five, six years ago, you know, my, the stuff I was shooting was starting to get in the way of my assisting roles and it just came to the point where I felt like I had learned about as much as I was going to as an assistant. And, you know, some of the other roles I played on set and, um, said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a go of this and quit, quit doing all of that and, um, really started pushing my own shop. Um, and that's, you know, that was the transition and just, you know, timeline as far as that went. And when you, when you made
1: that sort of decision to, to go all in and and do it, you know, on your own, what were kind of, I know you said it just got to the point where your own sheets were taking up more time than the assisting, but I mean, what added level of, okay, now I'm running the show, you know, from a a business standpoint was was kind of the hardest hurdle for, for you to hit.
2: Um, well, so to back up a little bit, I, in college, I knew that I, you know, going into photography that I eventually I wanted to run my own studio or be a freelance photographer anyway. And Mm -hmm. looking around, it was like, you know, even at that point I could tell, like, most photographers are artists and not business people. And it just kind of feed into that stereotype of the starving artist. So I ended. I ended up studying uh, Spanish and accounting instead of photography in college, and studied accounting very specifically because I knew I wanted to run my own business. Um, so as far as like the nuts and bolts business side of things, um, that has always come pretty naturally to me. Um, learning more about uh, the marketing of the business and the sales side of of things because I started off. And I only had to market myself to, you know, Magger photo editors, which is a very small target market. And then I went from that and had to market myself to photographers, which the there are a ton of photographers out there, an infinite number of photographers, but sure. a relatively small number of photographers who are working at the level that they're going to be hiring assistants and other crew and whatnot. So again, like that was you know, it was marginally larger market, but it wasn't that much more. And it was still really low pressure sales kind of thing. Cause everything. I'm assuming you knew a lot of those people. Around reputation. Yeah. And you yeah. knew all those guys, right? In right. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, it's all referral based and you know, whatever moving into running my own studio. Then it was, you know, I was then presented with, okay, I've really got to make the website work. I've got to figure out SEO. I've got to, you know and slowly you know over the last five years it's come to the point where you know the way I view my sales and marketing is that even though I'm you know we're we're up to three people in the studio now you know but still it's a very small shop Um, we still have to view our our marketing plan the same way that any major company would like you know, there's everybody knows who Coca-Cola and Nike are, but you still see their ads on billboards and on you know, in magazines and on television and across the internet all over the place, just because they've got to maintain brand recognition. You know, right. it's not that they were expect to make a sale off of any one of those ads, but it's you know, it's getting it's not a direct People. sale, right? But it's right. it's, it's con- perpetuating that. It's perpetuating that so that, you know, when you walk into the shoe store or the grocery store, you know, Nike is probably a better analogy for this and that, you know, you're walking into the shoe store and you're presented with Reebok and Adidas and Nike and whoever and the salesman, you know, salesman comes up and talks to you, you know, it's a much easier pitch than to go, dude, you got to get these Jordans. like, that's what everyone wants. Right. Right. And you know, so for, for our studio, like, we've got to do kind of that indirect, you know, just general marketing piece. But yeah, you know, what I, what I learned, you know, fairly, fairly quickly, you know, a year or two or into it anyway, was that just doing that, that was never going to really take me anywhere. Um, I was getting jobs, I was getting work, but I wasn't growing that much. And, mm-hmm so i really started picking up the in-person networking um you know getting involved with some trade organizations that you know put me in front of people that would be potential customers and you know i like the Um, networking side but i hated the sales side of it um you know as yeah i'm yes i feel like i'm a decent business person but i am an artist and like being a salesman is about as far
0: from me as can be. Um, so that sales was that something that you sort of supplemented with the networking piece over time. It was
2: yeah, it was over time. It was honestly, it was a thing where when I started the networking, um, two things happened to me. One, I was working with a consultant at the time. Her name's Carolyn Potts, and She had been a photo rep um, for some big national level photographers for 20 years or so. And then um, I met her in an event um, and we didn't, you know, entered into this agreement. And she basically taught me how to run my studio and taught me how to, how to sell myself, how to market myself. Um, And she, she, you know, told me that in her experience as a photo rep, it took her, she found out it was, she had a 12 to probably 20, 24 month sales cycle. Um, Because on the big national ad campaign level stuff where you're, you know, an agency is spending, you know, six figures on productions, like it's a really big deal. And if the photographer screws up that production, like the agency could end up losing in the account and all the people that work on that account at the agency are going to be out of a job mm-hmm. and right. so it's, it's a really big deal and before they go hire a photographer like they're going to be really well vetted out and you know it's a lot more about building a relationship um you know and the way she presented it to me was you make an initial contact uh, you know either at a portfolio review event or you know however it is you know do a cold call say hey i want to bring in my um you know bring my book by let people see it you show off your work and you know that you know basically that's like one interaction or so and then you follow that up with a thank you note a couple months later you know you Send out a promo email or promo card, something like that. You know, that's now three interactions. Um a few months later, you do like a follow-up, just kind of checking in sort of thing. That's four. But she, you know, the way she spread it out, she was like, okay, it's gonna take you at least eight to ten interactions to mm-hmm. even get asked to bid on something. And you know, at that point, you know, once you spread it out, you know, the way I just described it. Yeah. It ends up being a year to two years before, you know, before you end up closing a deal. Right. Um, and it did, it did a couple of things to me. Like one, it started opening my eyes to, Hey, this is building a friendship. It's building a relationship, um, and creating that sense of trust. And two, it took a lot of the sales pressure off of me and going, I don't have to close a deal like with any one meeting or, you know. Yeah, it's not a one call close. You're not a, a pitch guy, right? Right. And, you know, that that was really helpful to me. And then along that same time, my wife has a job selling custom men's clothing. And she was, um, I don't think she was reading the book. I think she was just watching, the, um, watching a video um, from the guy that wrote the book, Go For No. Um, Mm -hmm. and he had this amazing story, at least I'm pretty sure this is where the story is from. Um, but he was talking about, you know, being out at a speaking engagement or something traveling and, you know, had some time before he had to go into the conference or whatever he was at. And he was just walking down the street and happened to walk into an outdoor store, like an REI type place. Um, And was just looking at backpacks, you know, kind of passing time away, really. And he, like, he says he, like, could smell the salesman coming up behind him, you know, before he ever even (laughs) heard him. And just as he would expect, like, this, you know, kind of surfer dude, you know, voice comes out. and was like, hey, man, like, what, uh, you got any trips coming up? And you know he was a he was expecting like this hardcore sales pitch of like okay what backpack do you want like let's you know find something and the guy just was talking about experiences and you know they they got into this conversation of you know some of their favorite trips and you know basically it was the why he was looking for a backpack not the you know what backpack do you want and right there was there was basically no sales pitch. It was, it was just talking about the why and talking about, you know, the good memories and, you know, good memories that could be created. And then the guy just segued into, you know, man, for what you're talking about and all, like this backpack, would be perfect. Like, you know, and it was, it, it wasn't even a, hey, you should get this. It was just a, hey, this would be a really great tool for you. Um, right. And he ended up walking out of the store with a backpack, having no intent to buy. Um, and he's like, I learned more about sales from, you know, the REI guy, the, yeah, you know, I mean, he was the, you know, classic Colorado dirtbagger kind of, you know, whatever <laughs> the last person you'd expect to be a good salesman sort of thing. And, and there know, was good. There was two things in there that, that uh,
1: I think we've we've hit on a couple of times and Roman, correct me if I'm wrong. The the first one was he took the time to, to build the relationship, mm-hmm. even if it's, you know, when you're selling backpacks or something, that interaction can happen a lot quicker than with larger deals. But mm-hmm. he still took the time to focus on, you mentioned the why, you know, what's your why? Why are we talking right now? You know, and build that relationship with somebody, building up that trust. And then too, he knew his, his products enough. He knew all the backpacks on the shelf to make a, 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 you know, recommendation right off the bat. So it's knowing your, your product and knowing the people are the two biggest
0: things that I think we've talked about a couple times. Yeah. And add to that, I think this ties back to what you said earlier, Nathan, about, um, Focusing on and understanding that that process for sort of your networking process is going to take one to two years. It removes a lot of pressure off the rep. The problem is we see with a lot of sales folks today is they lead with an agenda. Their goal is how can I do everything I can to sell this product? And that example really captured the importance of, hey, if you focus on that customer first, it's going to end up where, hey, maybe at the end of that, purchasing something makes sense but it's not something that leads that conversation and drives the the motives behind that conversation the internal yeah. why isn't to get him to buy the backpack it was to
1: understand his you know why and and yeah make a recommendation to where if that's the right choice for you i can make that recommendation
2: no that's exactly it and i mean part of it for me for the story like in college i did a lot of rock climbing and stuff so i totally Connected with the story and you know, (laughs) you saw yourself in the REI. Oh, totally but you know at the same point it was like You know as seeing myself in that story like I could also identify with you know The guy who was selling like he wasn't motivated by making a sale He was just motivated by You know wanting to connect on a human level and wanting to help someone out and when that became my focus and you know as i was going to all these networking events and you know going okay i'm not i'm not here to sell i'm here to make some friends and i'm here to you know just have a good time and i'm going to allow you know this time to organically develop into um you know hopefully build into business but that's not the primary reason why i'm here i'm going to I'm going to be here to try and be a resource, be able to connect people. And yeah, when they need something, you know, I do believe I'm one of the best, you know, best options in town for them. And I want to be able to, I want to be able to help them solve their problems, but it's not, I'm trying to do it just for a selfish self-serving, you know, I'm trying to get a sale and. Quick buck, yeah. Right. Fulfill my
0: bottom line. So what was it? Um, sorry, I'm just going to add this piece r- real quick to, to build sure. on this. Um, what recommendation would you have to anyone listening in on this to make that mind sh- mindset shift? I know there are a lot of folks one way or another who are focusing on leading the sales and marketing aspect, this, especially you think all these these startup, these technical startups that are coming about where technical folks are now having to go focus on the sales side. So what would you say is most critical in that mental shift to get to that point of really focusing on that personalization with clients.
2: It's it, it's a little bit hard for me to to answer that because I have the freedom as the business owner to to say like okay hey this is how I'm going to approach it because this is the way I want to run my business and and all and I've I've got a lot of friends who are you know do corporate sales and all and like their sales managers are going hey you've got to hit your numbers for the quarter like you know and they're They're very much numbers driven and that's just the way management in most companies works and I I totally get it like To a certain extent it. you know, I agree. It needs to be needs to be that way, but On the other hand, it's You know, it also creates an environment that it makes it a lot harder I think, you know for guys in your you know, in your guys's position to be able to, to make that shift. Cause even though you may want to, I recognize like that you may not have the freedom to do it. Um, but it, that being said, I think realizing, you know, I think it's more of a realizing, okay, what's going to be the most effective. And, you know, if you're just coming onto a job, generally you get, you know, what a quarter or two grace period, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm a little right. guessing here, but you know, you know, you get some ramp up time, yep. and you kind of you just have to make make the most of that and go. Okay, I'm I'm going to use this ramp up time to ramp up. I'm not going to like kill myself to immediately try to produce. I'm going to have a longer term goal at it, and um, you know, and again, like I think. I think the biggest thing is remembering that you're selling to people, you know, you, you've got to connect, you know, you've got to connect to them. People are going to respond to people uh, a lot more than they are to just, you know, a hardcore sales pitch. Um, You might get, you might get, you know, a one-off sale that way, but you're not going to get, you know, or the likelihood that you're going to get repeat business is a lot lower. Um, Right. Mm-hmm. you know and I, i'd look at it kind of from the marketing side of it too and that yeah, i forget what the exact numbers are but it, there's research out there that you know says businesses have to spend what is it 30 percent, three times more whatever three to get more. to get new business than it is to retain existing customers mm-hmm. um and i yeah it's the same thing on the on the sales rep side. Like, you know, it's, it may not be money out of your pocket. There's your spending to do it, but it's definitely your time. And, you know, that's going to affect, you know, your bottom line numbers.
1: Absolutely. And I'd say a, one, a question for you kind of on, not necessarily on this topic, but we're talking about, you know, maintaining those relationships and the large part that's keeping your pipeline. When you look at or I guess when you looked at for the first time, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm assuming you probably saw a pretty big funnel with, I want to do corporate photography. I mean, you talk about all the companies in the Houston area, you know, you walk outside your door, you already see 50 of them, Mm -hmm. you know? So how were you able to say, this is my target market? You know, these are the events I'm going to go to
2: and, you know, that I mean, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't even that savvy. I looked at it and went because I was in this mindset of I'm going after magazine editors who mostly are in New York, like right. out of, out of the door. I was like, Oh, now I'm going for, you know, any business in the country is like, it wasn't even like focused on Houston. I was focused nationally and totally not ready for it for one. Um, but two, like, trying to grow a business. Like that's kind of a, at least my type of business, it's kind of a stupid proposition. And, um, so it wasn't until I finally said, okay, I'm going to focus on Houston and I'm going to focus on these, you know, relationships and all, and I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm going to do the work that I get and, you know, take the size jobs that I get and I'm going to be happy with it. That things really started taking off. Um, you know, and it was, you know, as far as like marketing associate, you know, contacts and all like there's the American marketing association, there's the, um, American advertising federation that, you know, are kind of the two main trade organizations, you know, which made Mm -hmm. it fairly easy to say, oh, okay. You know, I'm going to go and join those and see what's going on.
0: Um, Awesome. Yeah, well, that 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 really is a lot of good insight. I think for for the sake of time, I, I just have one last question for you. So, um, I know both John and I are more in sort of um, kind of working in the corporate kind of kind of for corporate companies or mid market companies, and I know you're really focused on driving your own business. There's a lot of encouragement, you know, across LinkedIn right now for people to start working on their side ventures and in in side businesses. Um, kind of seeing how your practices evolved or your businesses evolved over the last 16 years, what is, I guess, kind of one big recommendation for anyone considering going off on their own right now? Um, I'd say just, uh, be patient, you know,
2: uh, and it depends on, it depends on your overall business plan and how, I guess, how scalable your business is. Like for me, I, I can only scale so much because my product is you know, are my photos and I'm the only one that can produce my photos. Um, but, uh, you know, letting the business evolve organically and just, you know, pushing it as it comes, you know, I think is, you know, and not getting too stressed out if it doesn't grow at the rate that you want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if you really believe in, believe in your product and in your business you know and you you know that okay this has value eventually you're gonna find the right the right market for it you know and that was that was one of the things that i struggled with was trying to find you know the people that were needing photography needing you know to buy my product uh and find them at the right time um and you know once i started figuring that out that's when that's when things really started to take off and and all.
0: So. Awesome.
1: Perfect. Yeah. I think we are, we're coming close on time. I see my uh, zoom meeting timer up here starting to tick down. <laughs> so I just want to say, you know, thank you very much, Nathan, for coming on. Uh, love the insight. Look forward to talking to
0: you some more in the future. Cool. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks for having me on guys absolutely nathan and thanks everyone else for for tuning in um look for more episodes here in the in the coming weeks and uh definitely shoot nathan a connection request on linkedin (laughs) yep and if you want to be on the podcast as well just uh give us a shout you know you know where to find us